0: God's doing a good thing, isn't he? In the lives of our people. What a great testimony. Man, the little girl brought mama to church. Been here ever since Easter. You guys are amazing. Beautiful family. God bless you guys. Today we end our sermon series entitled One Month to Live. How many of you has enjoyed the series thus far? Have you enjoyed it? Okay, three of you. Well, next week is a brand new series, so hopefully you get encouraged next week. No, I know you have. It has been a a, a great uh, time together and just talking about those moments, what if we found out that we only have one month to live and today I want to talk about something that I think all of us should be thinking about and I hope that you get inspired through the Word of God today to do this very thing and it's called leaving empty, leaving empty. That's what I want to talk about today. If you leave this world, I hope that you leave empty that you're not full God didn't call a bunch of ticks into the kingdom of heaven amen to suck up all the blood of Jesus and just hold it on the inside right God called us to glean from His Word and to tell people about it and when we leave this earth after we take our last breath we are empty for Him being poured out in front of a living God amen I'll tell you this if I had one month to live I think I would do one thing I give it all I have. I do everything I can. How many of you? Just raise your hand. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, you give it all that you've got. There's a man in the Scriptures. His name is Paul. If I wanted to do a continuation, I usually don't go into continuations of my last week's sermon, but I'm going to today because we're going to talk about the same man. Last week we talked about who? Saul. Yeah, the last service couldn't even answer that. So I'm so proud of you guys. God bless you. God bless you. So, last week we talked about Saul that got transformed into this man by the name of Paul. Today I want to pick up in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Most of you may not know this, but maybe this gives you a little bit of insight. 2 Timothy is a book that Paul was writing to a young leader that he had mentored, that he had trained, that he had raised up. And Second Timothy is the last book that Paul, the Apostle Paul, had ever written. Okay? It's the last book ever written. Paul is writing some things down. He is about to go on to be with Jesus. He is fixing to get executed for the sake of Christ. And he is pouring himself out to us as we read this today. I hope you catch what I'm trying to say. Here's why. Because I don't believe God's called you to be that tick. I think God's called you to open your life up And be exactly who God has called you to be Amen That's what we see in the life of this man now By the name of Paul Second 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7 For I am already Say already Already That's present tense he, He's already Present past tense Actually He's already being poured out Say poured out Now say it like you mean it Poured as, why don't y'all do that the first time? Let's talk about this for a minute. right? But poured out as a drink offering. So when you read scriptures like that, you have to know what a drink offering in those days was being poured out for. The finest wine would be God. And they would be pouring out a drink offering over the sacrifice. And here you've got a guy and he's saying, Hey, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm sacrificing my whole life for God. I used to be Saul. I used to persecute Christians. Now I am Paul. I'm recruiting Christians. They can lock me up, but I'm still pouring myself out for him right here in this prison, right here in this jail cell. I'm going to get the jailer saved. I'm going to get the inmates saved. I'm going to do everything that I can. Why? Because I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Then he says this, and he says, And the time of my departure is at hand. This guy don't have much longer to live. And he knew it. He knew it. At any moment, they could have come to his cell and said, Paul, you're up. And he would have went and got persecuted. Persecuted beat, whatever his punishment would have been in that day, it was over for him. But here he is, he's poured out as a drink offering. His time of departure is at hand. And he goes on in verse 7, I love what it says, I have fought the good fight. How many of you have ever fought a good fight? How many of you? <laughs> Some of you are like, no, got beat right? How many of you just like fighting? Is anybody in here you've ever been in a fist fight before? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? All right. Did you win? Jesse, did you win? Okay. He's not, he's not, he's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I'm not really for sure. I'm I'm just, who knows if I won or not. But nobody's, nobody's just looking forward to fight, right? I had one friend in high school. He really, he would just fight people to be fighting people, Look at me. I don't want to fight anybody. My wife beats me up half the time. Amen? I'm serious. Y'all think I'm kidding? Pray for a brother. I remember getting in a fight with a boy one time, and and, uh, it was actually over a girl. You know, you ever fought over a girl? You know, he was going through town, and this girl was sitting beside him, and and I, boy, I'm flashing my lights and I'm pulling them over and me and this guy, we got to fighting and I want to tell you something I could probably say for the first 10 minutes which meant probably like 20 seconds for the first 20 seconds I had him I had him and then after the 10 seconds once he figured out my little moves he had me but guess what Jamie was saying I was backing up going, y'all better get him off me you bet- I'm about to whoop him you better get him off of me I'm about to wear him out had nothing to do with my sermon at all. That's like one out of maybe two fights that I've ever been in, you know. And the funny thing is, that dude was about as small as me, maybe even smaller. Okay? So I'm not getting up here bragging on my fighting skills because I have none. Right? But Paul's sitting here saying, I fought the good fight. The good fight for him was persecution and tribulation and trials and and, and all of these different things that the world was doing to him after his conversion. And he's sitting here and he's writing to Timothy as his departure is at hand and he's saying, Hey, you know what, Timothy? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Notice that he didn't say, I won the race. He said, I finished the race. Here's why. Because when our race is finished, there's a spiritual baton that we should have in our hand, and we pass it to the next person. And we say, look, I finished my race, but you got to pick it up, man. you got to pick it up. Come on. we got to go do this for Christ. we got to do something for God. That's what he's saying to Timothy. He's saying, here, I'm passing this over. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And then he makes a statement that blows my mind. I've kept the faith. Out of everything that I've been going through, Timothy, I want you to understand, I'm writing this letter from prison, but the devil ain't got me down. I've kept the faith all the way through. I've not doubted who God was. I've not doubted who my Jesus is. When I met him on that road to Damascus, he changed my life, and I'm going to preach the gospel until I go down dying, to my dying day. So hopefully today we can learn from this text because honestly, if you've been a Christian for some time, this is a very familiar text. It's a very familiar text. Honestly, I have, I have a few sermons. It's just based on you know uh, the different things. A few sermons that I preach at funerals that have different scriptures in it. This is one of the scriptures that I usually use when someone has ended their life and they've been faithful to God. I just want to ask you a question today, as your life is ending, because all of our lives are nothing but a vapor, as your life is ending, are you going to remain faithful to God? Let me pray with you, real quick, Father thank you for this day, thank you for this sermon, everything that you're doing in our midst this morning, the worship, the dedication of a child, the transformation of families, God and now we're here and we're looking at your word. God, the words of Jamie will change no one, but the words of God will change everything. So Jesus, this morning, I pray that you'll use me to help get this word to people who need it this morning in this room or watching online. Your will be done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, "Let's go through this just real quick." He fought the good fight. Let me tell you about Paul. Paul was determined to be faithful to the finish. Are you and I as Christians today, are we determined to be faithful to the very finish? Let me tell you something. Paul was on the last lap of his life, in prison, but was remaining faithful to God. I hope I get to a place in my life to where I'm on my last lap and I'm still being faithful to God. I'm going to run as fast as I can run, and if I can't run, I'm going to look at the guy pushing me in my wheelchair. And I'm going to say, push me as fast as you can push me. I've got to do something for God even on my last lap. Paul laid it all on the line. Let me ask you a question. Are we laying it all on the line for God? Are we going all in for Jesus Christ? He poured his life out for God. He poured it out. He left this world empty. Paul is a testament of somebody that don't hoard or hold on to the things of God that they have received. But every breathing moment that he had, he was telling people about this man by the name of Jesus Christ. He was telling them, listen, I've got to tell you about the man who changed my life. How many people are you telling about the man who changed your life? Think about it. Because Paul is sitting here and he's saying, for I am already... His life was a testament of sacrifice before God. Sacrifice. See, that's a word that the church don't want to hear these days. Well, come on, preacher. I just want you to preach me a good sermon. I want you to tell us exactly what we need to do. Now, we're probably not going to do it, but I'm going to tell you. I, I just want to hear what we need to do, and then we're going to go to the Mexican restaurant and eat. Amen. Right? But let me ask you a question. Is your life at a place where it can be poured out? There's a beautiful lady sitting on the front row. I need that, uh, my little illustration right here. Can you bring me my illustration? Yeah, I don't know who you are, but you are something to look at, I tell you. Come on, what's your name, honey? Okay, this is my wife, Jill, just so y'all know. All right, so give it up. I've got just an illustration here because I just asked the question, is your life at a place where it can be poured out? Now, in my hand, I hold some olives. Those of you that can't see this, I want you to look. I hold olives. Now, I could pour these olives out, but when they hit the floor, what's on the inside of them is probably going to stay on the inside of them. I went to Kroger this morning and bought this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It took me about $20 to buy this, Okay. Just for these two items. But the $20 bill, it it didn't take but about five of it to buy this one. But it took the other 12 to 13 to buy this one. How is it that these olives that are full of themselves, I mean, this is where this comes from, but how is it that this is not as expensive of an item as this? Because this has to go through a process that this never had to go through. See, most Christians, they are willing and able and want to stay this. Paul was not content with staying this. He wanted to be poured out. And if you ever get to a point in your life where you want to be poured out for God, you're going to have to go through some crushing. You're going to have to go through a pressing in your life. Am I talking to anybody? See, a lot of people, when you pull them out and you begin to try to get them into their call, it gets uncomfortable. It gets a little pressing in their life. They begin to feel like they've never felt before in their life. So they would rather live life in the jar than be poured out. I'm just asking you, this is a crazy statement, but I'm just asking you to get out of the jar and become poured out for God. What's on the inside of these things is what can be poured out over here. God don't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the inward. God would care less what you are doing on the outside. God cares about your heart. This community don't need a show. Are y'all with me? This community don't need a show. They don't need lights. Turn every, we, we seen last week. You, y'all wasn't here in the third service. Lights went out. Service went on. Right? Have one of the best services we've had in a long time. All this stuff is just additions. Okay. I love this stuff. We're not going to stop doing this stuff, but we don't have to have this stuff to preach the gospel. This is the outward look of things. God's looking for a people that'll pour their heart out for others. Amen. He's looking for that type of thing. Paul paid the price. He knew his time was limited on this earth, but that didn't stop him from doing what God had called him to do. Here's what he said. He said, the time of my departure is at hand, but I'm still going to do what i got to do. Till they come to my cell and call me out and execute me, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to do what Jesus called me to do that day on the road to Damascus. And here's something that Paul knew that we all need to get: Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. Listen to what he said. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If, I, if I've got to live, he, he went on in another, in another uh, statement, I think it was in the book of Philippians, I may be wrong, but he goes on and he says, Hey guys, I'd rather go on to be with heaven, or in heaven, but I can't go on to be in heaven right now because God has got me here for you. Because of my trials, my persecutions, my tribulation, your faith is being strengthened. And then he said this, it, Listen, if I live, I'm going to live in Christ. To me, to live is Christ. I'm still going to serve Christ while I'm here, but to die, I'm going to be with Jesus. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go to be with Jesus. He lives, listen, this guy right here, he lived a no regrets life. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I'm living a no regrets life. As the pastor of this church, I'm, I'm still unsure. I'm not really sure if I'm living a no regrets life. But the day I die, I want to be poured out in such a way, poured out to my church, poured out to my family, poured out to my children, poured out for my wife. I want to be poured out in such a way to where I could say, there's no regrets. I spent the time that I should have spent with my children. I loved my wife like Christ loved the church. I served in the local church. I gave everything up for God. I did everything that I could for Jesus Christ. I told people about Him. I'm talking about a poured out life Before God If you have one month to live Don't you think you live that way Well you're not guaranteed one month Start living it And I'm not just preaching at you I'm preaching with you Because I need to be living it too There's things in my life If I was to die in two days I would regret I'd regret I'm thinking of the money that I got in the bank All $20 of it I could have took my whole family to McDonald's Come on now Look somebody's Excited But a lot of people, what what they're doing is they're building bank accounts and they're waiting for tomorrow and someday they're going to reach their destination. Today is your someday. Today is your someday. He goes on and he said, I finished the race. I finished the race. He never got sidetracked. He never quit. He finished the race. How many of you have ever got sidetracked in your Christian walk before? Yeah, thank you for your faithful hands. Absolutely, we've all got sidetracked. We've all got sidetracked. There's been a couple things that happened in my life that if it wasn't for my personal relationship with God and the people that I surround myself with, I would have quit on God. I would have quit. How many of you just wanted to quit? The enemy come in one time and he tried to sidetrack me. He tried to sidetrack me and tell me that, well, maybe this is not what God's called you to do. I'm just so thankful that I had my spirit that was within me, the Holy Spirit in me speaking to me, plus the people around me saying, that is not of God. He never quit. Paul never quit. I'm never going to quit. You should never quit. I want to tell you something. I felt like I wanted to quit a hundred billion times. That's what that song was about a while ago. Me wanting to quit. Because that's how I felt in life. You can be on the biggest high of your whole life and the next moment you want to quit. Elijah did it. Defeated 450 prophets of Baal. Greatest victory in his whole life. The next day he found himself sitting in the cave wanting to die. How? Because that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. But Paul is looking at us today in his scriptures, and he's saying, finish the race. If I can finish, anybody can finish. And let me tell you this, he finished because he started. Think about it. Some of you, you can't finish this race that God wants you in because you've never started the race that God wants you in. If Paul's teaching us anything here today, it is this. You have to start in order to finish. You've got to start. See, there's two types of starters. Those who are eager to start. You ever seen those types of people? You just mention something to them. They're like, when are we going to do it? I need to do it right now. Let's get a little... You're like, "Oh my goodness, just slow down. Hold on. I can't slow down. I can't slow down." You know, it's people that are eager to start. They're ready to start. And then there's those people who are afraid to start. You say, "Well, I am I'm, I'm a little afraid to start, Pastor Jamie. I don't know what to do." Well, let, let me give you a little bit of encouragement. There was people in the Bible that God used that were afraid to start. One of them was Moses. He was afraid to start. He looked at God and He said, Who am I that you should do this with me? Delivering the children of God out of the house. God just knew this. He needed a willing vessel. That's all God knew. God said, Hey, hey look, I understand Moses, you're an olive right now. But if you will allow me to transform and change you, I'm going to pour you out so that I can deliver the people out of Egypt. But first, you've got to get past yourself. I love it because the Bible says that God got angry at Moses. Like God wanted to kill Moses. Like that kind of angry. He didn't. But Moses kept making excuses. Well, who am I? And God's going, I don't care who you are. Do you know who's speaking to you? It don't matter who you are or the inabilities or disabilities that you have. You can be used by me if you're willing to pour yourself out. See, this is a life where it's all about them. This is a life where it's all about God. I don't know about you, but I want to choose to be a man who's all about God. He said, I, I, I can't even get, 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 a, get, a, get a sentence out. You, you, you can't use me. God will always placed people in your life to help you in your inabilities. But don't allow your inability to become your identity Because God has bigger plans for you than you have for yourself Amen Jeremiah looked at God and he said Man, I'm just a kid I'm just a, what, what was Jeremiah? 13, 14 years old when God called him? I'm just a little teenager There's no way that, that people will listen to me And God said, listen I'm not worried about what people, what you think people's going to do You just open your mouth and speak Can you do that? See, some of us in this room today, I say us because I've been there, I've done that, but some of us in this room today have not started. You're afraid of failure. You have this fear of failure. Your past has clouded your future. You're constantly living in the rearview mirror of your life. I'm speaking to somebody. Listen to me. If you can get anything out of this sermon, here's what you need to get. I've said this time and time again over the years as I preach. What you need to do in your spiritual vehicle called life is reach up and tear the rearview mirror off and look through that big, broad windshield that God has for you and keep moving forward. Here's why. Because starting is a big deal in the eyes of God. Starting is a big deal. You can't, you can't drive looking in your rearview mirror. You can't start like that. If you do, you're going to start hitting ditches. Amen? You're going to have a head-on collision with this world, and I hope you get through it. Quit looking in your rearview mirror because it's important to God that we start. You can't start something by looking at your past. Some of you, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm speaking to somebody. Some of you are condemned because of the life that you used to live. Who cares about the life you used to live if you've put that under the blood of Christ? I know your husband can't forgive you. I know your parents can't forgive you. I know your boss can't forgive you. But God has forgiven you. Come on. You can't finish unless you start. See, it's always... see. Even the starters, let me, can I throw a third group of people? It's people who start but never finish. There's some of you in this room, there's some of us in this room. We have started, but we haven't finished the things that God wants us to do. It's always easier to start than to finish. It all looks good when those double doors open in the back and old Miss Beauty just walking out in that nice white dress. Amen? You get to cry. Huh? Oh, she's the love of my life. Hallelujah. Oh. Right? She is the love of my life. I love this lady. And here she comes walking down. And the next week, oh my goodness, it is a good week. But what happens when the honeymoon's over? It's easy. It's easy to start things. It's harder to finish. See, our relationship with Christ is like a marriage. And I don't know if your marriage is like mine or not, but we've been on our journey. We've been at the top and we've been in the valley. Amen? I'm not going to sit up here and paint a picture of perfection because I promise you, that lady is married to me. (laughs) There's no picture of any type of perfection. There's attitude, there's smart aleck remarks, There's all that kind of stuff from from time to time. From her. Amen? (laughs) But here's the cool thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8. Let's look at it together here real quick. The end of a thing is better than its beginning. Whoa. Hold on just a second. Why should I finish? Because the best years are yet to come. Come on, why should I keep going? Because if you think things are good right now, you just wait another year, another two years, another ten years. It's just going to get better. Because the end of a thing is better than its beginning. I'm jumping around. Get my workout done today. On stage. Right? He finished the race. He kept the faith. Through all the trials, Paul's trust in God remained intact. He never doubted God. He, did, he didn't say, you know what, I, I just don't know if I can handle this anymore. He got on his face and prayed harder. Never once did he give in to doubt about God's power or his promise. See, so many times I'm telling you, just to be a truthful pastor in the room, there's been times that I just wanted to say, yeah, but God, if you were really God, I would not go through this. I've said that. But I always have to go back and I have to know that there's power in God's Word. And that that same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that now lives on the inside of me. He kept the faith. He didn't compromise. He didn't waver from the Word of God. He just kept believing what the Word of God said. And in the end, he was who God wanted him to be. Are y'all with me? Let me tell you something. Paul finished well. Let me tell you why Paul finished well. Paul finished well because he was a presser. He was pressing on. He was moving forward. Not looking at the things behind, but pressing toward the goal of the high call of Jesus Christ. While facing trouble and persecution and afflictions and beatings and imprisonment, and the list can go on and on and on. He kept on. Keeping on. I come across a story this week that I think that you'll enjoy. In 1968, the Olympics were held in Mexico City. That was a couple years before I was born. Y'all didn't get that one, okay? During the 26-mile marathon, the runner from Tanzania, John Stephen Akwari, midway through the race, took a bad fall. So this was 13 miles in, still had 13 miles to go. Took a bad fall. He dislocated his shoulder and he tore a hole in his knee, which caused him to lose a lot of blood. Nearly two hours after the winner from Ethiopia crossed the finish line. Akwari, bloodied and bandaged, hobbled around the track, crossed the finish line, and collapsed. Now when the spectators and the media and people had heard that there was still one guy running the race, two hours prior, the winner crossed the finish line. They all rushed back in to see who this man was that was going to finish the race that he started. And a reporter went up to a and he said this. He asked him why he didn't quit the race. And a replied, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. That's a good story, isn't it? God didn't send you this far in life for you to stop and quit. God sent each and every one of us this far so that we could pour our lives out and finish this race that we have in our life with all of our heart. You may not be the guy who finishes the cross line or or crosses the finish line first but I'm going to tell you something at least you cross the finish line. God's not looking for first place, third place, seventh place, and tenth place. God's just looking for faithful finishers. Amen. He don't judge and and look at us the way that the world would judge and look at us. It doesn't matter, people, if you've fallen short or if you're running slow. God just wants you to cross that finish line with Him. Most people start, but few people finish. I want to be part of the few. Do you? And some of you, your life may seem like it is bloodied and it's bandaged. I don't know if I can continue. In my spiritual life, I have a leg that's broken. I can hobble along. My shoulder's dislocated. I'm bleeding. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. You may be in that situation, but what you gonna do about it? You gonna keep pressing? You gonna keep going? Because that's what God wants you to do. I'm gonna go down to Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 and I'm gonna close this thing. Listen to what it says. Philippians 1 6. Being confident of this very or being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will what complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's what God's gonna do. He's begun a work in you. Some of you are in you. Some of you are God... And you don't know if God's going to continue to use you because you've allowed sin to bloody you and dirty you up. You've allowed sin to dislocate your shoulder. Hey, some of you may have even been called to ministry and you messed up in ministry. You've done some things that you shouldn't have done. And you're wondering if God is going to complete that work, complete that call, complete that, complete that will, or complete the purpose that He has in your life. My answer to your question is this, yes. Because I am very confident of this very thing, which is Paul speaking. He was writing this letter to the church in Philippi that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He didn't say that he may complete it. It might be done for you. But he said he will complete it. You've got some work to do. Come on. We all have some work to do. Let me pray with you this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're listening to this sermon, whether you're viewing in online, or maybe you're sitting in this room and you're saying, Hey, that's me. I haven't completed what God has called me to do. Well, of course you haven't, because you still have breath on the inside of you. If you've got breath in you, and everybody in this room does, God's not through with you. God has a, a plan and a purpose. He wants to use you in a mighty way. But this old devil has come in to try to trick you, set some stumbling blocks, and you find yourself halfway through your life's journey, laying on the ground, broken and bruised. There's a man by the name of Jesus that is willing to pick you up and heal you of all your wounds today so that you can get back up and continue the journey that He has called you to go on. If that's you, and maybe you've got sin in your life, maybe you've got things that are hindering your walk or your race with Jesus. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? Nobody's looking around. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you right there. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hands. A lot of you, you're raising your hand today. Some of you online, yes, thank you, right back there. I see your hands looking them up. It's okay. If you, want, you, if you want to continue to raise them, just kind of lift them up. I'll see them. I'll see them. Maybe you're online today and you have these thoughts of quitting. You have these thoughts of just walking out. Don't do it. God loves you too much for you to do it. Give everything over to God today, and I promise you, in your weakness, His strength is made perfect. He wants to use us all. If you've raised your hand in this room today, pray this prayer after me. Everybody in the room, let's pray it in support of their decision that they're making this morning. Say this, say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and rose on the third day for me. Thank you for saving my soul and for changing my life. Use me from this day forward. I'm all in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big old hand clap. Come on, you can do better than that. People just gave their life to the Lord. He's so good.